The year is 2023. PBS Plus has just launched bringing the world's streaming services to 4,387. How can anyone be expected to go through all this content? Fear not, loyal passengers. Captain Joe Shoes and his first mate Mez are here to travel through space and time to bring you the best nuggets pop culture has to offer. Strap in. It's time for the Car Jomez Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 361 of the Car Jomez Podcast. I'm Mez, and my co-host, as always, is... The magistrate of Caravan City and the man who found some hidden treasure at PowerCon this past weekend. I'm Captain Joe Shoes from the Car Jomez Podcast. Yeah, you are, buddy. You found some treasures, bro. I call me Jacusto <laughs> because I went discovering Gomez. I love it. I love it. That's great. That's a great way to start the show. I love to hear that shit. Ooh, you know what's baby. an even better way to start this show? What? Thank you guys for listening to the Car Jomez podcast. <laughs> Remember to hit that subscribe button. Leave a five-star review. Follow us on all the social media at Car Jomez. If you leave a review, we'll send you an 8 by 10 uh, yeah. Leave some reviews. We like those. Uh, like but, it. yes, Jacques Cousteau of the geek world, Gomez. Yes. I went deep, and I swam, and I swam. Until finally, I came upon something I said I may be in the market for in Columbus, Ohio at PowerCon 2023. Last week, Gomez, I came on this very program and I said, I may have a hankering for some Filmation Ghostbusters. Yeah, you did, buddy. And I didn't find a lot of Filmation Ghostbusters at PowerCon. Really? I did see one figure, a mint on card. Jake Kong figure, the main guy. Ooh, yeah. Ghostbusters. I love that monkey. And I went over to the dealer and I said, Hey, how much you got on this? And he started telling me how rare it was. Of course. Sure. <laughs> of course. And he goes, He's looking for $650. I said, Okay, I'm not interested, but thank you. Yo, card was a little beat up. You know what? It wasn't $650 worth. Okay, fine, whatever. But I thought that was it. I thought that was going to be all I was going to find. And after the major wrestling figure podcast live panel slash podcast, I was hanging out with John Cohn and another gentleman named Craig, who I was just introduced to. And we were talking about what we might be in the mood for, what we might be hunting. And I brought up Filmation Ghostbusters and Craig said, you know, Ooh. I saw a Filmation Ghostbusters comic graded. Ooh. Filmation Ghostbusters number one graded 9.8. He's like, I Damn. swear it was only 100 bucks." Wow. And I said, really? He goes, yeah, it was at one of these smaller tables. They just have like one box of comics on the tables with regular toys and stuff. But he's like, I think it was in one of these three rows. So I go, okay, cool, man. Thanks. And we went our separate ways and I went looking for this table and I went to a couple different people with some comics out and I said, 
Hey, do you have any Filmation Ghostbusters? They didn't seem to know what I was talking about. Not <laughs> Filmation Ghostbusters, and we discussed this. It's not something that's overly yeah. popular, right? So people just hear Ghostbusters, they think Ghostbusters. It's not the Ghostbusters I'm looking for, and I'm not there to correct anyone. I just, you know, say yeah. thank you and move on. Yeah, uh, I find uh, Mark Bitters, who is uh, the senior official of the Figure Wrestling Federation, and I was hmm. telling him, you know, I'm looking for this comic, and he was like, he, Mark is a big uh, collector and stuff, and he flips a lot of stuff. He's a big garage sale guy, so he has a good idea of valuation and stuff and a good knowledge of um, old t- comics and toys and geek culture stuff. And then the guy, Craig, came back. He found me. He goes, yo, yo, it's this table right over here in the next row. Oh, love it. So I go over there, and I start digging through. They have one box of all graded comics. So I start digging through the first one right on top. A G.I. Joe gem crossover. Whoa, what the fuck? (laughs) It was made for you, bro. So I'm I'm like (laughs) looking at this. So the cover is on the left side is gem and the holograms and on the right side is the dreadnoughts as cold slither which is my favorite singular episode of gi joe this is hysterical (laughs) so i'm looking at this i'm holding this in my hand they want 450 dollars i'm not a comic book collector yeah but there's a part of me that goes this really wraps me up in a nutshell and i feel like i have to have it oh now cold slither is like this one episode of G.I. Joe where dreadnoughts become a rock and roll band and they put like subliminal <laughs> messages in the songs like give your Dasty. money to Cobra and you know all that stuff. <laughs> and it's just such a great episode. And they have like Sounds a song great. with cold slither, we're rocking around. We're cold slither, you'll be joining us soon. A band of vipers playing our tune. With an iron fist and a reptile's hiss, we shall rule. We're tired of words. It's great. But I'm like, okay, $450. I can't do this. I flip through two more, and there it is. Filmation mm. Ghostbusters, the comic book, number one, graded a 9.6. Okay. And they wanted $100 for it. Now, is this thing worth a hundred bucks? I'll be honest with you, I don't know. Yeah, but I'm here. I'm at PowerCon. I've had a hankering for some filmation Ghostbusters. There hasn't been a lot to choose from. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it right now. I picked it up. Filmation Ghostbusters number one, graded nine point six for the price of one hundred dollars. Nice. It's Let's nice read it. Easy. Come on. It's Let's read it. it. Come it's on. Nice and easy to transport home. I didn't have to worry about yeah, like, bending true. it that's or anything. Yeah. It slid right in the satchel of my backpack. The colors on it are pretty vibrant still. And then if you flip it over, you look at the back cover. It's first comic presents the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in a new Whoa, graphic novel. Oh, look at that. Love it. That's so, so this cool. is from February 1987. 87. So we're looking at what 33 years there. It's crazy. Did you look how did you look to see how many right? is like, that 30, no, 36 years? Excuse me. 
is like uh how many did they do a lot of issues of this thing like, i is don't this... know I, this we so gotta, now i gotta, gotta look, look into, into it that. now that i'm yeah, home i just got home I'm late like, last night i'm so interested but, to see now that's crazy i like i said i'm not a really a comic collector the only comic book i have besides this is also graded and it is the masters of the universe mini comic that i'm in of course. That was gifted to me by my double main man, Knick. A lot of good Knick yes. stories from this weekend. Oh, we, we shared a room. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I wanted something Filmation Ghostbusters. I wasn't really planning to buy anything, you know, sure. especially not big or anything, because traveling with, yeah, you know, expensive collectibles can be a pain. But this was like the perfect thing, the perfect item at the perfect time. Price was fine for me. It's something I will get some enjoyment out of i can display it and look at it and be happy that i own it mm. you have any ideas of how you would display like what you would put around it because it's something different right you don't have a lot of comics i think maybe if i get like a shelf or something i could put it on like a picture stand and mm. kind of lean it up and <clears throat> i like that yeah mm. but that, I, I think like you got they, they do these graded comics they're in you know these slabs yeah so if you lean them or you have a stand, it can stand up them, yeah Stands up nice. I'm just gonna say, but I think you, you need a couple figures to put next to the guy. To he's kind he's of put lonely. Next to it now. He's lonely. It's lonely up there on that shelf, baby. I know. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love it. I love hearing so that. that. That was my big purchase from PowerCon this week. I also came home with one other item, mm, and that thing? is an exclusive Major Bendy's. Spotlight Spencer Powers figure. Love it. Did you get it signed? I got it signed. Oh, yeah, baby. Pixel Band himself. Love it. Took a picture. It's really cool. It's a really good looking Bendy. And Pixel Dan is such a cool guy, and I've gotten to know him a little bit. We've done some live streams about Masters of the Universe. I had him as a guest on the captain's log. And a lot of people will throw some shade at Pixel Dan for being. They say he's a shill for Mattel. And when you're in that spot, it's 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 kind of hard not to be when you're in the influencer spot, you know. But at the same time, getting to know him, it's not a put on. Yeah. The dude genuinely loves toys. He loves Masters of the Universe. And he's a lot like me in the sense that we love being 40 years old and still being able to buy new stuff from the things we grew up in. It's pretty awesome, yeah. So it's a genuine and pure excitement that he has for these things. You know, even when he does have not so positive things to say about them. Sure. But I like Dan a lot. He's over the moon to see himself in figure form. And it's very cool for him. and Very cool to see. Of course. Come on. You know, I don't I, want I a figure. This, exactly. And, and especially, like, I say this a lot. Like, Pixel Dan, way before I ever knew him. When Masters of the Universe Classics came out, and that we're going back to like, I don't know, 2009 now. It's a long time, bro. I could not afford Masters of the Universe Classics. And I knew myself and knew I was going to want to be a completist, but I knew it was something I just couldn't swing at the time. Yeah. And Pixel Dan was the first guy I ever saw on YouTube doing unboxings. And that was my link to the Masters of the Universe Classics line. And his enthusiasm for this kept me invested in Masters of the Universe. It's my biggest fandom that I ever had. So I was getting to see these videos. I'm basically living vicariously through him. But it kept me interested. It kept me wanting to see what was next for Masters of the Universe. And now I 
am in a better place in life where I cool. can go and afford things that I want to buy for Masters of the Universe. Yeah. And I even got to be a character. And I think part of that is due to Pixel Dan for keeping my excitement for things like these up and making me still want to collect. Thank you, Pixel Dan. Love it. Love yeah, to hear thank that. you, Pixel Dan. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Pixel. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Uh, so how was PowerCon? Because you were you were nervous, not nervous, but yeah. you were like, you know, eh, about I had tempered it because, excitement. Yeah, because it wasn't a He-Man thing anymore. So how how was it that it was mixed with everything? Man, it's so the phrase I was using over the weekend was identity crisis con. <laughs> it doesn't know what it is, huh? Now, did I have fun? Yes, of course, yeah. Was there some great vendors, some great toys, some great panels? Yes, absolutely. It helped a lot that I had a lot of people there. You know, sure. all the majors were there. Knick was there. A Pixel Dan, I got to hang out with for a little bit. Dave Wheeler, Mark Bitters. There were plenty of people for me to run into. And there were some major marks who um, I ran into. People stopping me, asking me to take photos. and Love it. Or if I could sign something for them. And absolutely, I will do these things. Um, wh one woman stopped me, mm. took a photo with me, and then like an hour later, this guy comes up to me like out of breath. He's like, "Shoes, shoes." It's like, "Yo, oh, man, I don't know how I missed you before. I went away for like ten minutes, and then when I came back, my mom was like, "Hey, look who I got a picture with.'" <laughs> that's great. <laughs> love it. Well, I love that story. Um, oh, that's great. I had a really good time, but. It was a convention that it felt like it didn't know what it wanted to be. Mm. And when I went to PowerCon in the past in Anaheim, it was for Motu fans, by Motu fans. Everything was Motu, Motu, Motu. All the panels were Motu, different angles of Masters of the Universe. You had voice actors there from the show. You had artists from the shows. All these people who have contributed to Masters of the Universe in some way were there. And at this convention... You didn't have those things. You had panels, but they were kind of hit or miss. Like one of them was like a, people who worked on the original Star Wars line. And that's cool. Sure. Not, I would go and sit in on it, but I was like, ah, you know what? Like not for yeah. me. Uh, it was a lot of things like that. And on the show floor, you had a ton of like these independent toy companies which is cool, and they're trying to do their own thing, and they're trying to make their own figures, but their toys don't have any... They're not licensed to anything. They're just cool-looking toys, you know, at a premium price because they are, you know, being... You know, they're not being mass-produced, so all this stuff costs money to make, sure. and when your minimum order quantity is not the level of Mattel's, you know, let's say Mattel makes... 100,000 He-Man figures and a smaller toy company is making a thousand, he, you know, what of whatever figures they're making, obviously your prices are going to go up. And the way I look at this and whether rightly or wrongly, feel free to disagree. This is just an opinion. I look at it as if I have no connection to these characters that you're making, sure, they may look cool on a shelf, but like, how do I feel invested in them? Like, I have an investment in He-Man, the character. There was comic books and cartoons and years and years of merchandise and stories and books and whatever else. And for a line like mythic legions, 
which looks amazing displayed. And their setup was incredible. They had this giant toy mountain setup with all these cool-looking barbarian and mm. monster-looking characters all engaged in battle, and it was great. But at the end of the day, it was just for me to look at, appreciate, and move on. Like There was no incentive for me to put my money down for it. You know what I mean? No, I understand. And there was a lot of that. I got to see the cat's lair from Super 7 up close and personal. Ooh. It is even bigger than I expected, which is something Damn. I hear a lot. Oh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is beautiful. It is a dream play set. So crazy. It is absolutely massive i couldn't believe even knowing the size and i knew yeah. it was shown off we've seen the pictures of it from san diego comic-con but seeing it in person you know it was on a giant table it was perfectly displayed it was just incredible and uh corporate steve from mattel was there and he's like dude you order it you order it he's like giving me the nudge and i told him oh, steve I, I just don't know what to do with it i've been at the I've been on the order screen like three different times with, hmm. with my mouse hovering above confirm <laughs> order. And this is the truth. I've, I've had it in my cart. I've been at the final page and I just chicken out I because I just don't know what I'm going to do with it when it comes in. Because like I already have this thunder tank. I have uh, the Super 7 Snake Mountain that I may have to get rid of because I really don't have a place for it. I have two Eternias coming in at some point. So it becomes what, where, where am I going to get this space from? Got to buy a new house, baby. I'm going to have to at some <laughs> point. It's, it's time just, to move. The toys need a new room, baby. Oh my God. <laughs> but beautiful. I just, and so this was really the issue was the convention is still very Motu centric. A okay. lot of the dealers, Eternia Dreams was there. My friend, Alan, who I've been buying from for years. Yeah, he course. was there with a massive setup, beautiful setup including vintage Eternia fully assembled and working nice. with the full monorail and the carts it. going around. Incredible display. And the thing is, if you're a Motu fan who's been to a prior PowerCon, sure. I look at this and I think you would look at it as you kind of missed out on something because yeah. they didn't have the variety of Motu panels that they've had in the past. They didn't have like the game show Saturday night where people are everybody's engaged and playing and they have like a full scale jeopardy setup with a host and booths and you know buzz-ins and stuff they didn't have like the late night um fan made you know taiwanese foreign he-man film that they showed <laughs> while people were coming back to the hotel drunk <laughs> so there was stuff like that that was missing and john cone obviously we know john cone referee for wwe for years he's got a wwe figure coming out soon good for him i'm very happy for him that's funny. um you know he's a big motu fan too he goes to PowerCon every year we met for the first time two years ago at PowerCon, and we were talking about that it's like it, it does feel like it's missing something and toy speaking there was such a variety and to be able to walk around and see all of it was great sure but i wonder if you're not a masters of the universe fan if there was really enough for you to like enough meat on the bone for you to really enjoy the convention. And I really don't know if that was the case, because like I said, in the past, we've had 
kind of big name masters of the universe people. You know, we had Alan Oppenheimer, the voice of Skeletor, yeah, Melanie awesome. Britt, the voice of She-Ra, Meg Foster, who's played Evil Lynn in the live action movies. You've had artists and other voice actors and all these people involved. And at this convention, the biggest guests, the top billed guests were Matt Cardona, Brian Myers, and Mark Sterling. Wow, and, really? And those are my friends. Of course, that's cool, but... But Mark is the biggest Motu fan out of all of them, and even then, he's a very casual Masters of the Universe fan whose connection is really through the live-action movie because it was just something him and his brother watched a bunch of times as kids. <laughs> so there's no... You know, like... I, it just it just felt like it was missing something. I, so I, I get that. Are you still able to have fun? Absolutely. Are you yes. still able to have a good time? Yes, for sure. And part of me also, look, people were buying and selling all weekend long. But if the show floor is just the show floor, you can only walk around the show floor so many times. Yes. So if you're not going to panels or you're not interested in panels, is there really enough to keep you there for three days. A three-day pass was only 60 bucks. So it's not it's not a huge financial hit. Yeah. But I just like but still it, you'll be bored. Like uh yeah, after the second know, day, it's like I don't need to go back to third day. In all honesty, after the first day, if there's no panels you want to see, you can do it in a day. Like the merchandise on the floor isn't changing, it's just gonna become less. But even then, so many people, all these vendors you can find online. Yes. Like Eternia Dreams is the biggest one there. I've been buying from them for years. If I see something I want, I'm not going to buy it there and carry it home. I'm just going to wait a week, email the guy and say, hey, when you get a chance, I'd like to buy this, this, and this. Send me an invoice and ship it to me, please. Yeah. I and I it. think that's the case for a lot of people uh, where, you know, Toy Vomit is there and Super 7 is there and all, all these big... Um, vintage toy places that we know to uh, toy Hio rick was there who runs another convention there he had a table set up um mr slowpoke who listens to this show was there with a setup <laughs> uh and good story about him in a second but all these people are there and if you really want something and maybe you're from out of town you don't want to lug it back home obviously if it's within driving distance for you or it's in your town that's great for someone like me who's traveling from florida man i'll just wait and have you ship it no, I agree. There's nothing worse than having to buy an extra bag because you can't fit shit in your yeah. Yeah. No. But I did run into uh, Mr. Slowpoke, Slowpoke Toys. Uh, Greg is his name, actually. His real name, I, at least I don't believe his real name is Mr. Slowpoke. Um, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> uh, but he, I saw him on Saturday, and he said, hey, I haven't listened to the episode yet. What are we watching for next week? And I said, hmm. we're watching The Fugitive, pal. It's on Tubi. It's on Max. Have at it. Love so I know he's caught up now. He left a comment on the YouTube video. So I hope he's got his fugitive already uh, worked in. <laughs> I love it. Oh, well, it sounds like you had a good time. Well, I, I knew you would have fun because you're, you're hanging out with your friends. So no matter if there's, you know, fun oh, stuff, like, there, you're going to get Like I was saying, this is it makes me wonder what the future is for the toy conventions like this. It's one thing to have like a San Diego Comic-Con where you're going to show off new stuff. But for the traditional, hey, let's go buy classic toys, it's very awesome to see stuff 
in person, right? Stuff that you maybe haven't seen in 20 years, 30 years, or ever. Maybe you've never seen a G.I. Joe Defiant Space Center in person. Ooh. I had one as a kid. I saw one this weekend fully assembled. It was the first time I've seen it in over 30 years. That's awesome. And I was like immediately brought back. But I just think because of the internet and because kind of in these communities, everybody knows each other. I just wonder if there's enough business taking place to continue making it worth it for the vendors to pack up from all over travel, set it up, put everything up on a nice display, traipse it, you know, back across wherever they got to go. Like I said, Eternia dreams comes from Maryland. So they drove Maryland to Ohio, did a massive setup and display. Beautiful, beautiful display with showcases and racking and all this stuff. It was great. but It's a lot of work. So is the money there? to make it worth it and maybe it is for for branding I think, like more i think people... just to get yeah just to get your name out there you do a display and now someone will always remember oh we turn your dreams oh yeah i gotta go check them out when i get home i think i think that that's what they do it for i would think because i got like the museum effect for it it's sure. great to walk through and look yes. at everything but had i not found this filmation ghostbusters comic book i probably would have left empty-handed like I was, you no. know, that was my. I walked through the gift shop at the end, but I wasn't buying anything. <laughs> but I agree with that because the same thing. I go to horror conventions, even New York Comic Con. People go three, four days. I'm like, how could you go? Like, a, and you're not doing panels. You're just walking around. It's the same shit. Nothing changes o over and over. Yeah. So it's like one day is good enough for me. So I totally get that. There's four days. Get the fuck out of here. Would I go again? Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. You know, like and I now said. with my little low level of fame that I have, it's it's nice to know that I can go to one of these things, even if I'm by myself, and find people I will know. That is good. That does. It's always fun. Comic Con's always fun because you go with your friends, you goof off, you look at the fun shit, and you have a good time. I had such a travel snafu Thursday night flying into Columbus. I got there oh. very, very late. I didn't get into the hotel until 2.30 in the morning or so. Oh, and terrible. I was staying with Knick. He had a room, thankfully, because hotel rooms for the entire weekend were so expensive. I can only imagine. So, There's not much going on over there, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's you got to see this convention center. Because next door, there was like another convention center. Oh, yeah. With an anime convention going oh, on in there. Oh, Jesus. And man, that thing looked popping. The cosplays yeah, for the anime. Better off going in there, bro. At one point, I looked at Brian Myers and I'm like, yo, that's, I think I kind of want to go to that one. Like, you yeah. peek your head in and you see it's like, oh, this fucking looks like the jump off right now. They're doing all the things you wish yours was doing. They're having parties, they have a contest. Yo, it almost oh, yeah. looked like a rave. Like they're oh, fucking music. Oh, I bet blasting. you there's a rave. You know there's a rave going on hundred percent. It was great. <laughs> and at one point, like the first day, Kanick and I are walking to the show floor, and it's this long hole. This convention center is huge, and it's like downtown Columbus. The arena is like right across the street. The place, this is the place where they hold the Arnold every year. So there's a statue of Arnold Schwarzenegger in the pose out there. I posted a photo with it on my Instagram. Um, there's bars, there's restaurants, there's a lot of stuff to do in this area. It's a really cool area. And I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, fucking Columbus, Ohio. Like, who gives a shit? It's a <laughs> lot to do over there. But man, this fucking anime convention looked popping, bro. I wish I would have bought like a day pass and just gone. 
talk like to the boys next year let's do the anime con instead yeah, let's right? get on the anime con <laughs> but like we were walking to the power con the first day and it was power con was the like the last side of the convention center anime came first so you, the whole line of people waiting to get into anime is waiting and they look at me and i'm just dressed like me and some girl goes hey are you supposed to be paul blart mall cop <laughs> what a reference i like people still talk about that movie huh? <laughs> and i just looked and i said indeed i am and i smiled and kept it moving <laughs> You made her day. She tell me what I saw. Someone I, dressed I saw some guy dressed up as Paul Blart. Meanwhile, I'm in like a Hawaiian shirt, and I don't know. I haven't watched those movies in a while. Does he wear a Hawaiian shirt I, ever? I, I don't think so. I know he's a cop. Does he get to go on vacation? I don't know. Yeah, but he had like a Segway and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> but I finally get in Thursday night, two thirty in the morning. Knick was gonna wait up. He's like, I can't do this. So he left the key for me at the front desk. I get the key, no problem. I'm trying to be as quiet as a 300-pound mouse could be while getting in the door. But obviously, uh, you know, the lock, you hear it, whatever. Of course. And I just see in his bed, you know, the two uh, the two beds, he's all swaddled up with the covers pulled tight and his little bald head peeking out. And it, it just tips up slowly. And you can see his eyes squinting to try to make out this vision. And he just drunkenly goes... You're beautiful, and goes right back to sleep. What a way to be greeted! <laughs> the best way. <laughs> Fucking Kinnick is the best. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh goodness, love to hear it, Joe. This is yeah, good. So we, had it's good fun. we had a good time. Uh, would I go love back? It. Absolutely, I would go back. It's PowerCon, man. And even if I don't go, I still buy a ticket every year just because I want to support. Val does a great job. Val Staples, he runs He-Man.org for years and years and years. You know, he's contributed so much to the Masters of the Universe community over the past couple of decades that it's, I feel like it's the least I could do, you know, for helping keep the thing I love alive. And in the mainstream, the least I could do is buy a ticket to your convention. <laughs> Is this the first year they did the non-He-Man, or did they start that last year? So last year was really the first year that they did Columbus, and I didn't get, I didn't make it. Um, So this was the first one I've attended in Columbus. Okay, so I was wondering. I guess the feedback was good enough to do it a second year that way. I I mean, it's got to be a case with obviously cost. This has a much bigger kind of setup. Like there are available rooms, conference rooms for panels and. Um, the show floor is very big and there's, there's a lot to do. Like the second you walk out the door of the hotel. So it's not like the only thing is, is Anaheim was like a destination. Sure. It's a, yes, it's a very big difference. And when you're in the hotel in Anaheim where they would hold power con, you could walk outside. If you went to the left, you would go to Disneyland. Like you could probably, you could walk to Disneyland legitimately. If you went to the right, you could go to Universal Studios Hollywood and walk there. So there's a lot of things pulling where even if you want to go to PowerCon for a day or two, even two days, there's still stuff where if you want to make a week-long vacation out of it, there's like big things towards the attractions to do. Did you do I, anything? I, I hung. We went out for dinner a couple of nights, went to some local bars. What was going on in Columbus was back-to-back nights. We didn't go. But back-to-back nights, nearly sold out both nights at Ohio Stadium. 
our double main man in concert, Mr. Morgan Wallen. <laughs> Hysterical. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I can't believe it wasn't sold out, bro. <laughs> Ohio, not the, not the arena, the stadium. Oh, dead the fucking Ohio. Okay, that's crazy, bro. <laughs> Damn. Nearly sold out both wow. night, back to back nights. And that's we were crazy. at a bar one night. All of a sudden, this influx of people comes in. We're like, oh, it must have been some concert or something. We looked up, it was Morgan Wallen. And I'm like, you got, because I, yeah, it wasn't long ago where Gomez and I were like, who the fuck is this guy? This guy's the hot guy, apparently, bro. <laughs> and then fucking Myers and John Cohn were like, Morgan Wallen was here. Oh my god! If I, if I would have, if I would have known, and then they were like, Myers is like, oh, I, I wouldn't have been able to go. My wife would have given me so much heat if I went oh, without her. Hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, you would have got. You can't do that. That's a big honest to be seeing without your wife, bro. Oh, uh, so it was a good time. It, it's nice to hang out with my friends, see the boys, and be around the things you like. Right? You know, find what yes. you love and let it kill you. So it's very, very <laughs> fun to be around stuff you like. That's going to be the title of this week's episode, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. Jacuso of Geek or whatever you said earlier was pretty good, too. <laughs> I was already picturing you swimming into some toys or something. I got some ideas. <laughs> it's good uh, we have options. So that was PowerCon Gomez. And with all that being said, hit the breaking news music. Oh, snap. Breaking news. Oh, breaking news. What's been going on, bro? Gomez, so much going on in the fast food realm right now. Oh, shit. Lay it on me. Let's go. I think we're a little early for this, personally, but apparently it's pumpkin spice season. Yes, all the pumpkin shit is. I've seen like they got pumpkin Cheerios. Bro, they already got the the Frankenberry and shit is out already. Like, what are we doing? It's, it's, people are barely back at school. It's still 90 degrees out, bro. Like, what are we let doing? Me, the weather in Columbus this past weekend was incredible. I'm talking nice. like 78, beautiful skies, oh, no humidity. It was just oh, perfect. Good. I got off the plane back in Orlando, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm fucking melting. Yeah. The humidity, the heat. This has been such a bad summer. And I've been down in Florida 13 years now. And I'm sitting here telling you, this is a bad summer, man. Like, I am I know what hot is in Florida. This is bad. And I'm genuinely worried for hurricane season because the water is just too hot. Yes, the sharks are coming over there because it's nice and warm. Sharknado. Pumpkin spice season is, a, is upon us. Wendy's dropping a pumpkin spice frosty. Hmm. No date on that yet, but it should be coming up soon because Smart. Oreo pumpkin spice is back on shelves. Should be now. Oh, yeah. Then Dunkin' Donuts dropped its fall 2023 menu this week. They've got a pumpkin spice signature latte, a nutty pumpkin coffee, and some pumpkin donuts and munchkins and muffins. Mm. So pumpkin spice season, we're in the middle of it. You're you you down with the pumpkin spice? Not necessarily. I'm just not a pumpkin guy in general. Yeah, um, like I'll have a slice of pumpkin pie, like a bite of it. It's not really my thing. I, I don't like it. I tried a pumpkin spice creamer. Okay. Um, maybe like two years ago. It's up on YouTube.com slash Joe Shoes. Liked it more than I thought I would. Okay. 
But yeah. I don't go looking for pumpkin, trying pumpkin. It's just not something. Pumpkin beer? You do the pumpkin beer? I don't like it. I've, I've tried a couple different ones. I'll do a couple. I do. There's one or two that I like. I forget which ones because people always making me try stuff. But I do like when you go out and they put the little sugar, the cinnamon the, yeah, rim. The brown Ooh, sugar or whatever. I love that shit. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our friends over at KFC going Oh, what are they doing, bro? Hey, I'm excited now. KFC. This week, this past Monday, they dropped in select markets Fucking only. jerk off. Funnel cake fries. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I want it. You know funnel cake? Yeah. Picture it in strips. Like fries. Oh, okay. So it's like, all right. So it's like little dough pieces. Yeah. Okay. All right. I like it, though. I'll get down uh, with it. Next week, Wendy's is sprucing up the breakfast menu with some English muffin sandwiches. Oh, I, you know, Wendy's breakfast, it's not bad. It's not great, but I like it. There's some stuff I, I like on there. Oh, uh, what else we got here? McDonald's, you know what? I'm gonna save the McDonald's one because I'm gonna get hot about this. Oh, okay. But Burger <laughs> King coming in hot right now. Mm. Burger King dropped some Royal Crispy wraps, three different flavors. They got a honey mustard, a classic, and a spicy. Oh. Getting into the wrap game. Yes, like them things we used to get the crunch wraps from the uh, snack McDonald's. Wraps. Snack wraps, yes. Yeah. Those were good, bro. Chicken so While they're mm. doing this, they're also dropping a new honey mustard. BK Royal Crispy Chicken Sandwich. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I do like their honey mustard. So a full-size chicken sandwich, you know, the Royal Crispy, the round one. The round one, yeah, the round They, they, they keep trying to get us off the trail of the I original know. chicken what that we, we know doing? and love, and it's like, why are you messing with perfection, baby? Come on, bro. Just, you continue to use that. Yeah, it's silly. I don't get it. Uh, but yeah, honey mustard, BK Royal Crispy Chicken. Those are probably out now as we as you guys listen to this podcast. I'm interested in that because I do like the honey mustard. I get that with nuggets sometimes. So a whole sandwich of it, probably good. But McDonald's. Now this is gonna get me hot. Oh, because sometimes when McDonald's does stuff, it's cool. Like Carlito, oh. you know, that's cool. <laughs> and sometimes okay. McDonald's does stuff and it makes you very mad. Very angry. Mm. And what they've got going on now, and we had this problem when they did the Grimace shake, right? You had to buy the fucking Grimace birthday yeah. combo. Oh, and it was go. either a Big Mac or a 10-piece nugget. <laughs> a fucking regular combo. Instead, of you got the Grimace shake as the drink. And here, they have given us the as-featured-in meal. Oh, I and really don't get, like this. This is to promote like how important culturally McDonald's is, where the brown paper bag you get your food in will say as featured in and have a list of movies that the McDonald's bag has shown up in. Okay. And this is supposed to be done as a tie-in with season two of Loki on Disney Plus, where guess really? what you get? You get the as featured in combo meal, which is either a Big Mac or a 10-piece McNuggets. Ugh. Fries and a drink with sweet and sour sauce. Now you say, what the fuck does that have to do with Loki? The sweet and sour sauce is branded with like Loki, a Loki label on it. What the fuck are we doing, guys? This is. And not only that, I say, because this thing is out like now. This came out Monday. So you can go get this now. 
Get your Loki sweet and sour sauce right now. And I said, wow, I guess that show started up not for another two months. <laughs> it's true. But they're so bad. This Loki show doesn't come out until October. And yet I'm getting branded sweet and sour sauce today. What are we doing, McDonald's? Uh, I just, I don't understand... I just I don't get it. What what the like is that did I miss something in season one where Loki's like, wow, I really love this fucking sweet and sour sauce. Bro, I'm looking at the picture. I'm, it's gonna be up on, on the screen for the YouTube people. Bro, it literally says on the it says the sweet and sour sauce as featured in Loki. That's all the sauce. <laughs> That's it. Oh, what are we doing? I don't even understand how that makes sense to McDonald's. We got all this sweet and sour. We got to produce some labels that just say local. What are we doing? Oh, You know, McDonald's does this thing where they give us the same thing they've already been giving us. They don't change anything. Oh, you can get the Big Mac meal now. Yeah, no shit. Like, you're McDonald's. Of course I can get the Big Mac meal. But that's not even like, like at least like with the... Uh, like the Cardi those... B meal. It's like, oh, she likes this with uh, mayonnaise on it. Yeah, it's like, oh, she's getting a burger and fries and she gets a side of barbecue. At least, you know, that's not normally how it comes. You're getting barbecue for your fries. You're supposed to get a fucking sweet and sour with your chicken nuggets, bro. I don't understand what you're doing for me here. It's literally, oh, I don't understand. Oh, my goodness. McDonald's is dropping the ball, bro. And also, bro, did you, I don't know, I, I haven't seen one McDonald's that sells this Oreo uh, this Oreo pie thing. So in New I York, New Jersey. I haven't I've seen it yet. App. I've talked to a lot of people who have had it though, and oh. the feedback has been very underwhelming. They said it's it's not enough like Oreo flavor. It it sure. tastes like kind of it's got like a little marshmallowy taste to it. Oh, but it's I'm very uh, no no no. But like not oh. like enough. Like okay. so, <laughs> I haven't spoken with anyone who has loved it. I no one has raved about it. People have said it's it ranges between this is terrible to I guess it's okay. That's upsetting because I'm just so excited. I just anything Oreo, I just want it in my face. You know what I'm saying? I just need All Oreos and around my mouth, just everywhere. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exciting food news! Thank you for keeping me up to date here. I, I appreciate that. Uh. I really didn't have a chance to watch a lot this week, Gomez. I obviously was on the road for three, four days. But I I did watch an old movie because we did a special bonus uh, podcast for the Major Pod Network. They've been doing a movie club once a month for certain levels of their Patreon. And I was a part of that this month. So if you're a member of, of the hard or ultimate tier, you can listen to that. We watched Dick Tracy. Ooh, nice. So I'm assuming you remember when Dick Tracy came out. Sure, yes. I do remember the hype around. Like I remember it was was a thing. Like it was one of the first events. As a kid. As a kid, I think I did. I do think I went to the movies and saw it. And I've seen it 
you know, within the past, you know, five, six years, I have rewatched it, but I don't, re- I didn't remember when I watched it as an adult, I was like, oh, okay. Like I, I didn't remember a lot of the movie to be honest. So I didn't see it as a kid, but that the vacation I talk about often where my dad took us to Disney world, yeah. that was the year Dick Tracy came out and Dick Tracy logo was on everything, everything. When you went to Disney World that year, you didn't buy a Mickey Mouse poncho. You got a Dick Tracy poncho. Like, it was everywhere. At one point, they were discussing there was going to be a ride, a meet and greet. There was photo ops. Like, it's weird because this is a gangster movie with the the good guy shooting a Tommy gun machine gun at you. Like, I don't know how that's supposed to appeal to kids, but, you know, different times. But Dick Tracy was really, really big and had so much hype. And I... Never saw it as a kid. In fact, I didn't see it for the first time until the pandemic where I was going out of my way to watch movies I'd never seen before. So I don't have that experience of like how I felt as a kid, but I do remember that it seemed like it was a big flop. People I know hated it. And it was, they were banking on this being their Indiana Jones. Disney was looking to make a series out of this. It was going to be like their version of adventure films. And it definitely was not that. But I went back and watched it this past week. And honestly, I don't think it's that bad. I think it's fine. It's fine. I don't think it's that good. No. But it has fun moments. It's fun. It's just... There are good things about it. There are bad things. The story is not great. It kind of drags in a lot of spots. A lot of things feel shoehorned in. But I don't think it's as horrible as the reputation it got back when it first came out. And that reputation kind of makes no sense to me. Like, yeah, when you go I... back and watch it, it's just like, what was what was so bad about this movie that we all thought it was terrible? I don't know. Maybe we're just used to shit like that. Because think about when that came out. There ain't nothing like that in the night, you know? I mean, it was supposed to be... Like, after Batman 89 made all that money, Dick Tracy comes out the next year. And Batman kind of triggered this whole, like, oh, people must really like these kind of... Old, yeah. Old 1930s comic comic strip style stylings. So we got, you know, like this uh we got batman the phantom uh the shadow the rocketeer like the rocketeer yeah exactly but they they decided to do pulp comics yes yeah so we got a bunch of that but like i just remember this like everybody hated it and when i go back i did a little research rotten tomatoes has this as 61 percent fresh which seems very out of line with how i remember it even the audience score is 53 percent so it's just Maybe it was just us as kids remembering things way differently than they were. But maybe, maybe it didn't make money. Maybe that's why it was so bad. Like it just it wasn't a complete financial flop. I just don't think it made the extent of the money they were hoping it, it would make. Because okay. it, it had a $47 million budget. Originally, they wanted to get the movie done for 25. And then they mm. took once it went up to 47, because Warren Beatty was like, no, gotta keep adding here. He directed it, yeah. gotta keep adding That's here, adding here, adding here. It was his baby. He owns the he owns movie and television Tracy. rights to yeah. it. Um, that money, anything over 25 million dollars was coming out of his residuals. So until the, the remainder was paid out on, on the budget, he didn't see any extra money on that. But this movie finished domestically at 103 million dollars so it's it's not terrible it just it didn't 
have the, I guess, the impact that they were hoping or expecting it to have. Interesting. Um, I remember, I remember liking it when I watched it as an adult. Going, you know, this ain't so bad. I think, uh, right, like Al Pacino, right, so is is the main guy. I think, right, I think that was some of the what people were like, like, what is what is Al Pacino doing in this movie? And he's but it's so many it big name actors. You got Paul Sorvino is one of the guys. Um, uh, the Graduate. What? The, I, why am I having a hard time with his name right now? Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. Yes, is mumbles. mumbles he's in it for yes. two scenes <laughs> yes i remember mumbles <laughs> so i mean it's all these guys who i guess they they did it as a favor or whatever and they're so caked under makeup it almost seems like a waste to even have this level of talent involved in a project like this and even madonna was like begging to be in this movie she did and at this point madonna's a star she's is like madonna, one of the is... biggest names on the planet and she did this movie for scale just because she wanted to be in it and apparently is, she was dating Warren Beatty at the time as well. Oh, look at that. Is she part of the problem? Is it was it like uh, Madonna's bad in this movie? No, she's is not. I will the... say it, she's not part of the problem. Um it's just I just don't think it's a great script. Like I said, it it's very jumpy. It so many things feel sure. There's so many bad guys. And yes, they're trying so to get them all in, and they're in like these big scenes where you don't even know who's who or why they're there, and then they all get killed. They're just there to be there. Sure. And I think that that's a big problem more than anything. But one of the things I come away having just watched it, Madonna's on this big, like ripping stretch of banger soundtrack songs. She's got this used to be my playground, which comes out a couple of years after Dick Tracy from a league of their own. She's got uh, the song from with honors. I'll remember big song. Great. She's Bangs. got, yeah. Like these are a real big song. She's got, who's that girl? From the film, Who's That Girl? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Crazy For You is from Vision Quest. Like, these are top-notch songs. Yeah. And I come away from this movie going, yeah, I feel like there wasn't, like, a banger Madonna song in this movie. And yet, she wins an Oscar for best original song in a movie for Sooner or Later, which is, like, the song she's performing at the club. And it's, it's like, Ooh. really? You know, really, she won an Oscar for that. Wow! Yeah. They were just like, we just want, we want to be in the Madonna business. Let's make her happy. Well, this Let's... movie actually got quite a few um, Academy Award nominations, seven of them, which was a record at the time for like a comic adaptation. Yeah, that's crazy. Seven. And, wow! And it won for best original song, best makeup, and best art direction. All right, the makeup I get because there's some crazy yeah. like stuff. Sure. And those were records until. Uh, Black Panther, you know, for for comic adaptations. Interesting. So I love that uh, Warren Beatty, right? Because he owns the rights. Every couple of years, he will show up and do an interview, yes. just to be like, "I'm still using the character, the rights." To he, I, I believe he did one last year where he just it was kinda, very recent. Yeah, like he just, I love that. Why are you holding on to it? Let someone fucking do something, bro. What are we doing? I think that, so after the movie came out, there was a bunch of lawsuits pertaining to residuals and royalties and stuff with people making different claims. And I think that's why a sequel never got done. Um, I could see a, a reboot of Dick Tracy working now. Yeah. If you got some people who are really into the fandom and really took a almost a simplified approach to the, writing the script, like you saw with Ninja Turtles recently. We just both of us like this movie a lot. It was a very simple script. 
Here's a different, yeah. little bit of a different take on this, but for the most part, it's pretty simple, easy to follow. We're not jamming a ton of stuff at you at one time. And I think if you did that with Dick Tracy, I think there would be a market for it. Mm. You brought up Ninja Turtles. I, uh, I heard a podcast talking, they were talking about before the expectations. They were saying that the movie was tracking for 25 they were looking for opening weekend. So it did much, much better. Okay. Than uh, the projections, and that the budget was in the seventy million. Well, <clears throat> after its second weekend, then because I got the numbers in front of me, Ninja Ooh. Turtles is over seventy-two million dollars. There you go, and that's just domestic. That's just domestic. Yeah. yeah so there we go. So that's good. Oh, we the sequel. Baby. It's not huge internationally. It's Damn, only made twenty-two million international. Because remember, we said, yeah, you know, we didn't know how the turtles kind of fare. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how it crosses over. Yeah. But I have it down as 22 million internationally so far. All right, I'll um, take it though. But that puts Ninja Turtles in third on its second weekend because we are living in a Barbie world. Still number and one, huh? Still number one. Another $33.7 million <sighs> for Barbie. Insane. insane. Oppenheimer, still number two, which Ooh, is more that's, insane. That's to more me. insane. That is more insane. Oppenheimer another 18.8 million putting Oppenheimer at 264 which is crazy fuck, bro 264 that is just this is this is insane your movie Meg 2 made 12.7 this week putting it over 50 million domestically so far people got to be fucking thrilled with that the uh, biggest release i guess you could say this weekend was yeah, the last the voyage release. of the demeter no, the, the racing movie was the movie. No, that's week. not out yet. That didn't come out? What are you talking no, about? No, that's next week. Next week? What do you mean next week? Next week. Not not even this week. Next week. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought that was the week, the movie this week. Well, that's what I, I listen to you. You're usually good with this, but it's not out. <laughs> oh, okay. But Last Damn. Voyage of the Demeter, six and a half million. But going back to Barbie for a second, I said we're in a Barbie world right now, right? 37, yes. 33.7 million, and this is what, week three. That's huge numbers for week three. Domestic alone, $526 million, putting it second for the year north in North America, right behind Super Mario at 574. That's just, I just can't, I can't even, it's just, that's crazy. Hold on. It gets better. Oh, oh, it gets better, huh? Worldwide, Barbie is now over $1.18 billion, which makes it the 10th, I'm sorry, the 25th highest grossing movie of all time. That's It just knocked out Minions from the top 25 of all time. And I think after... Uh, maybe not after this week, because now we're in numbers that are really big. But uh, Mario Brothers is 15th all-time at $1.35 billion. We said Barbie's at $1.18. Iron Man 3 is the next one up at $1.21 billion. It's crazy to see. We're going to have, you know, Bobby, Bobby's going to crack, you know, the top 10 or some shit. I was just going to be like, wow, fucking Barbie. Cool if it gets to the top 10, you know what movie it bumps? You know what's 10th right now, all time? I'm one of them Jurassic Park movies. 
It is a franchise. It's not that franchise, though. Okay. I'm trying to think. What what would be on there? Tank. I'm trying to think. There's a lot of it's a lot of stupid shit up there. I'll say. Uh, I guess. I, it's, is it a a Marvel movie? It is the first Avengers movie. Okay. Wow. That's Damn. tenth all time right now. That's at one point five one billion dollars. So Barbie's fucking coming for you, Marvel. 2023, the year of Mattel versus Nintendo. It's it is pretty crazy. Barbie versus Mario. Two two things we've all grown up with finally got their shine. There's I read an article that the original Mario Brothers movie is going to have a re-release in Japan. What for the, it's the 30th anniversary. And I believe, I guess it's some kind of cult classic there. And this is where we have to say sometimes nostalgia is bad. That we have retconned this movie into thinking it's something good when that original Super Mario movie is fucking atrocious. It is terrible. It's not good. Uh, I mean, you might get some enjoyment out of how like crazy and like what the fuck is happening, you know, but as like a good movie, no, it's it's come on, like there's too much of that going on where everything everything's a good movie now. Like, come on, no, it was bad no, then. It's it not was bad good then, now. and it's bad now. Like, even I love Masters of the Universe. That was the first movie I actively remember trying to convince myself was good when I was leaving the theater. I was like six years old, dude. Now, when I go back and watch it, and I do rewatch it from time to time, it's not because it's good. And I know it's not good. Does it hold a little bit of nostalgia and love in my heart? Yes, it does. But I understand that it's not good. So I just checked something. So the reason I thought this movie came out, this racing movie, is it's like the Ninja Turtles. It was playing at my theater this weekend when I was looking up this Dracula movie that came out. It had a couple showings. And again, next week, this weekend... It's showing again a couple times. So they're doing this thing. How is this movie supposed to make money when for two weeks in a row before the official release, you have a couple showings? What are we doing, movie theaters? What are we doing? This is this makes no sense. That movie's going to be horrible. I mean, maybe, maybe it's not as bad. It's just, I, you know what? I have no interest. I have no interest. I mean, maybe it's good, but yeah, I just... Not for me, bro. Like no. I said... Cars got to be fighting a, a submarine, going into space, something. Not just driving in a circle. We don't, we don't do that shit. NASCAR, F1, whatever the fuck this is. Fuck that. Oh, Joe, I didn't watch much. I had two things I just wanted to bring up real fast here. One is uh, you know, every Sunday we do our family movie night. We spin a wheel. We watch whatever it lands on. Uh, this week's movie was Kubo and the Two Strings. This is one of these um, these stop motion, you know, kind of movies, you know, like the puppet okay. guy. Okay. And it's like uh, <clears throat> it's about a kid. He's got a guitar, the two strings, playing the guitar, and it's like got magic and stuff like that. I just gotta say, I love this movie. This movie was fantastic. It came out I think 2016, 2017, and uh, I thought it's it's one of the most beautiful things I ever seen in my life. Really, like. I like I always love that kind of animation because it's I think it's just so amazing that they fucking take a picture 700 times just to fucking wave like it's crazy. 
and I'm watching this movie just going, oh, I guess like they did some CGI. And then at the end in the credits, they show, nah, bro, they built like massive skeletons, like like that you see like uh on people's lawns, right? You know, from the Home Depot skeletons. Okay. Like, like they built that to like use in the movie. Like it was just amazing looking. I just I was blown away by it, so I just had to give that a shout out. It's a couple years old. It's not streaming anywhere. I had to to VOD it, but goddamn, Kubo and the Two Strings. If it ever comes across your past, please check that out, bro. It is good nice. shit. And then the other thing, I picked up a book from the library. It came out a couple weeks ago, but uh, my library didn't have it. You know, you got to order books sometimes. You could do that. I don't know if people know this in the library. If you want a book and they don't have it, they'll usually get it for you. Use your library, folks. It's very good. Um, so this book is called Wild and Crazy Guys. How the comedy mavericks of the 80s changed Hollywood forever. And so it's all about basically the SNL people because those were the, mm. the hot people of the, yeah. of the time. And uh, I'm just about done. I got a a couple chapters left, but it's, it's, it's good shit because it's basically just going through the history of eighties comedy pretty much. And some of these stars that we think, uh, you know, Steve Martin, right? This guy, this guy had bomb after bomb after bomb. He did the jerk. And then his next like four movies in total did equal what the jerk made. Like he just like, but like to me, it's like Steve Martin. He's, he's been the hot shit forever. Nah, In my bro. mind, he goes right from the jerk, which I believe was like 78. And from there, he doesn't do anything else until Father of the Bride. In like ninety two, <laughs> he does a lot he of might stuff. The eighties. <laughs> oh, how sweet they wrote about him in this eighties book. I don't remember <laughs> him at all. He he did have a cameo in Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, they uh, more than a cameo, but yes, that was Bill Murray's first movie in like five six years. He like stopped doing movies for a while. His mom got sick, and he just like said, "You know what." I'm not going to do movies. And like every year people will offer him his 2 million to make a movie. His 2 million. But he was just like, no, no, no. And then uh little shop of horrors asked him to do a favor. And he was friends with everyone. So he came in. He's like, do I have to do the script? They said, no, we don't care. Just come <laughs> in, do whatever the fuck you want. You just have to be enjoying it. You're a masochist. That's it. Okay. It's like, all right. It's awesome. The book starts with uh, Bill Murray and Chevy Chase getting into a fight at SNL, punching each other. Excellent. It's good. It's good. It's a book you should definitely check out. Wild and Crazy Guys. I think you would really dig it because it's it's good stuff. Chevy Chafe is, is all over this thing. Cornelius Chase. What a terrible name. Cornelius. <laughs> My goodness. But he well, was remember, another that's, one. That's his dad's name. In that's community. his dad's name. Yeah. That was his dad's name in real life. So he's That's a his dad's guy. name in community as well. But um, he was another one who just bomb after bomb. My goodness, yeah. this man had nothing going for a long time, and then God bless the vacation. That was the the big one. That yeah. really because he he did stuff, and then like everything else just wasn't working until vacation, and he kind of leaned into that that stick a little bit. Stop being mm-hmm. so pompous, right? He was always like the kind of arrogant kind of guy. So he kind of like, let me turn it down a little bit. He, he was the country works. club guy. Like he really, yes. you know, he, he was always dressed nice. He thought of himself as like, like a good looking rich, like, you know, like the yeah. guy you hate. 
Uh, so 100%. I also didn't watch much this week, Gomez. So all I have mm, is our got? main event of the evening. Ooh, let's get to it. Oh, baby. Mm, it's going to be interesting here. And we haven't done an old movie like this in forever. No, I mean, I, I just did talk about Dick Tracy. So we're no, still I mean, same, like you know, in our main in our main event, though. Yeah. So The Fugitive, 1993, was the number one movie at the box office 30 years ago. That's why we're watching it now. I remember this movie, to me, like it wasn't like one of these hyped movies. It was just, you know, your regular old adult movie coming out in the middle of summer, you know, near the end of summer. If everyone thought it was going to be such a hit, it would have came out a lot earlier. 100%. There's no way anyone thought this was going to be a hit. And it's the story of Dr. Richard Kimball, unjustly accused of murdering his wife, who must find the real killer while being the target of a nationwide manhunt led by a seasoned U.S. Marshal. Baby. Uh, Gomez, first memories of The Fugitive. So, like, I don't remember, like, uh, going to the movies or anything like that, but I, I think it was on K- TV a lot, right? It was like one of those movies that oh. was always on, and I feel like I watched it a lot with my mom. Like, I remember, like, like that was a movie. It was like, oh, The Fugitive is on. Oh, let's watch it again. Like, and we just watched the shit out of that movie, bro. Yeah, this is a movie that I feel, I, I definitely don't remember going to see it in theaters, but I remember when it came out, I remember, like, adults being excited because it was a TV series in the 60s. Yes, my mom was always like, oh, I remember that show when I was little. She always brought so it up. I remember like that being a talking point. But I don't think I saw it till VHS. And sure. then for whatever reason, I feel like we owned the VHS copy of this. And I don't know why, you know, getting VH, like legitimate VHS copies were kind of few and far between outside of like when Disney would open the vault. And for the last time ever. Take home the magic of Cinderella, <laughs> you know, and then they they get you that call to action, and they bought Cinderella for fifteen years until they needed to make more money off it. They do another uh, promotion with it, but the, for whatever reason, we owned a copy of The Fugitive, and I remember watching it and just being like entranced. Like I was so into this movie, and it's probably one of the first kind of adult movies that I remember like being like all in on. Outside of like a goofy comedy, like a Crocodile sure. Dundee, around that time you would have had me all in on Wayne's World yeah. or Ace Ventura, <laughs> stuff like that, a Fletch, but a genuine adult, a thriller, you know, a little bit of an action movie. This is like one of the real first adult, I, I guess the Schwarzenegger movies, but those are almost cartoony. It's different. An action movie is totally different than a a real adult drama, thriller, you know, 100%. You know, Mm. maybe suspense, maybe throw some suspense in there. Sure. Like mystery. Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember really, really being into this movie from the first time I saw it. And to go back and look at it now and see the numbers on this, it has such a good rating universally people when you bring up this movie always seem to have good memories of it like i do 
And I, I think of this movie very highly. So when I come across the fact that, hey, this movie came out 30 years ago, I say that's a good excuse to go back and watch this movie and see if those feelings are justified or if I'm viewing them through the nostalgia goggles. Mm, have you seen this movie recently? Like, when's the last time you had seen It's the probably Fugitive? been a long time since I've seen The Fugitive because even watching it now, this past week, I was like, oh, yeah, this does happen. It was a lot of, like, refreshing the old memory here. Love that. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it in uh, in 10 years or so. It's, it's been a long time. Because I, I feel like I, I've seen the movie. Like, I, I felt like I watched this so much as a kid that it's like, I remember. Like, I, yeah, I remember The Fugitive. I know what happens. It's one of those movies where it's like, I'm not running to watch it anytime soon. So just some background on this movie. This comes out in 93. It's the third highest grossing movie of 1993. Yes, very surprising. So this finishes with a worldwide gross of $368 million. That's a lot of money, bro. That's a lot of money. Uh, budget on this was $44 million. I was going to say, it's like $50 million, I think. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's great. That's what it's supposed to be. The two bigger movies at the box office in 1993. Gomez, do you know them? 93. Uh, the number uh, one should be a layup. Oh, it was Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park by far. And then what else came out in 93, though? Mm. I'll tell you what. When I found this, I was like, really? Interesting. Oh, so now I'm so... Oh, see, because I was going to say something like a Star Trek or something, but you wouldn't go, no. really? So what, what was number What was number two it's here? a great movie. Also saw it, loved it as a kid. Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, I, I can see that. I, I, I remember that being a smash. Like, that was fucking it was, huge. It was one of those movies everybody saw. Yeah, and I felt like that was in the theater forever. My goodness. Mrs. Doubtfire, $441 million in 1993. Jurassic Park, 914. Which is in, like, back then, like, that's just like, they must have been like, bro, that number, like, it must have blew their mind. That it fucking made almost a billion just there. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has this at a 96% fresh. I believe with an audience score of 89%. Okay, yeah, that's about even right. IMDb has this at a 7.8 out of 10. So, pretty universally regarded as a good movie. Gets seven Academy Award nominations, including Best Picture, which has to shock people because this, I think, look, I like this movie a lot. It's not the kind of movie that I feel gets a Best Picture nomination. No. But I just think because it was like the popular movie, I think they just said, "Oh, and Harrison Ford stuff like that." You know, they said, "Let's uh, let's do that." But yeah, because this is a, a remake of a TV show that was in limbo for years and years, so many rewrites. So there's no way in hell anyone was like, "Yeah, we got a winner on our hands." They're just like, "Let's get this shit out already. Let's go." And I think so much of the success of this movie is based around. The chemistry you have between Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones, who plays it's all Tommy Lee Jones, it's all performance. And Samuel, uh, Tom, Sam, I was gonna say Samuel Jackson for a second, but Tommy Lee Jones wins Best Supporting Actor Academy Award for this movie for his portrayal as, 
as Samuel Gerard, the U.S. Marshal, and he ends up getting a spinoff movie a few years after the fact. Which is the funniest thing that they made up. They say, yo, everyone liked that Tommy Lee Jones character. Let's bring him back. <laughs> With Wesley Snipes. You know, the amount of joke, like this was a memeable movie before we knew what memes were. They're- sure. So many one-armed man jokes and yes, references were thing. made in schoolyards nationwide, right? Every show, uh, the mask. I remember the mask Jim Carrey does. No, it wasn't me. It was the one-armed man. Like The thing was, I always remember is the Leslie Nielsen, remember, wrongfully accused. Wrongfully accused has the spoof movie. Yes. Has the whole spoof. I always remember that stupid-ass thing. God bless Leslie Nielsen. And so I guess the original story to this is there's a doctor, Dr. Sam Shepard, who has a similar situation. The people who wrote the TV show and the people who also wrote the screenplay for this movie swear that it's not based on his story, but it is very close to the, to the situation of the movie. Dr. Sam Shepard was accused of killing his wife. It's under very suspicious circumstances. The evidence doesn't really hold up. It seems like the police just kind of jammed this through and he was an easy target to say uh, he was the murderer. Um, He ends up spending a decade in prison before uh, having the result reversed after a uh, appeal. And uh, really, he tries to go back to being a doctor, but by that point, he's an alcoholic. He's his life is kind of drying up and he doesn't really know what to do to make money. So his new father-in-law was a professional wrestler and brings him into the world of professional wrestling where he invents a move that would go on to great fame in many decades later, actually, that becomes known as the mandible claw. It's terrible. This is some story you're telling here, bro. Uh, that is also that story is also told in Mick Foley's first book, where yeah. he's about to become mankind, and he goes to Jim Cornette to ask for help coming up with a finish. And now, a good finish should be the type of move that can be done to anyone. You can give Stone Cold yeah. can give stunners all day, every day. Anyone, yes. The Undertaker can't necessarily tombstone Yokozuna. Yes. So it's stuff like that. And Foley really, he was doing the Cactus Jack elbow drop off the apron to the concrete floor. Yeah. Really didn't want to keep doing that. About time to retire that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Jim Cornette suggests the mandible claw and describes it. He's like, you know, it's a nerve hold and all this. So Foley brings it to Vince and he goes, see Vince, it'll be great because you could get the facial reactions of both guys as the move's going on. It's a... all the, you know, it's a nerve hold, so the guy is paralyzed because of it. And Vince just goes, well, pal, why would I bite your fucking fingers? <laughs> but they sell Vince on the deal, and that's how we know and love the Mandible Claw today. And it's all thanks to the man who supposedly the fugitive is not based on, Dr. Samuel Shepard. <laughs> on the TV show, it was like a... a Every week there was like a new adventure, which this is like so it's such a weird idea. Yeah. It's like, how oh, how did that work? So he would just like go to a new town and and try to avoid the police and solve like a mystery. It's very mm. interesting for a show. Like I don't I don't get it. It reminds me like when we spoke about the Incredible Hulk, and I'm yes, like, Oh, it is. he faked his death. So that must have been the way they ended the show. And you're like, No, that's how they ended every episode. Yeah, every episode he went to a new place as a new person. <laughs> Every episode. 
Oh, the best. Uh, Gomez, what do you say we hit some music? Oh. Are you a man? A double main man? Are you a man? A triple main man? A man, man, man? A quadruple main man? Are you a man? Are you a man? All right, Joe. The Fugitive 1993. Main man standings. What you thinking? Man, I... I came in almost nervous that I was going to have my memories like tarnished in a way. I was like, <laughs> oh, it's been 30 years. It's very possible that maybe this movie doesn't hold up. But I am happy to report that this movie is still great. The performances are spectacular. Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones are wonderful. Uh, Joey Pants as the other great. U.S. Marshal adds a little bit of comic relief in there. He's he's doing Joey Pants stuff. Yes, he is. You know, he's he's really good and I just buy into the story. I find myself being sucked in and it is because because of the chemistry really between our two main players here, Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. It's just such a great dynamic that they have for it where even the implausible situations within this movie. There's a couple. Uh, <laughs> and there's quite a few, you know. <laughs> but even the implausible situations that this movie finds itself in at certain points, I'm able to just kind of suspend my disbelief and just say, you know what? I'm okay with this. Just tell me the story. In the words of my best friend, Cody Rhodes, finish the story. <laughs> good friend so i ended up when this was all <laughs> over i leaned back and i said now that's a fucking movie i still like this movie i still think it's great it is two hours and 10 minutes but i feel Ooh. like i am in it for all of that two hours and 10 minutes and i'm gonna give it a triple and a half main man three and a half stars mm. So I think this is a good movie that is elevated by a great performance by Tommy Lee Jones. He's wonderful, fantastic. He ad-libbed a lot of those those lines. Fucking go find me a fucking chocolate sprinkle donut, whatever the fuck he says. Hysterical. hysterical <laughs> We're going to search shit. every hen house, nun house, whore house. Bitch. <laughs> it's great. So I think he makes the movie. I think the movie is a little long. Okay. Uh, once he jumps off that dam and survives, which is really the craziest thing, they could have had him jump off for of anything, bro. But they make him live the most craziest thing you ever saw in your life. Okay, it's a very wild what appears to be 48 hours for the character of Dr. <laughs> Richard Kimball. <laughs> you know, um, after that point, the movie kind of slows down because now he's like kind of trying to unsolved trying to solve the mystery unravel the mystery of what's going on here mm -hmm. i think that that second half of the movie i don't think is as good as the first i think it's great you get the energy of what's happening you get the chase yeah you get the chase and then it slows down it's not a chase anymore this fucking guy is going to the most populated fucking areas that you could imagine and he's the most wanted man and because he fucking shaved he nobody shaved and he dyed his him. hair 
Nobody could find him. He had fucking dye in his forehead, and he's looking fine. That shit came all out. He was perfect, Chris. Come on. For someone who I would have assumed hasn't given himself many dye jobs, <laughs> he certainly does job. a spectacular job his first time. He does a great job shaving with that little-ass kit. My yeah, man's right? got a beautiful, bushy beard. Clean shaven, not a scratch, looking fresh. Runs into a cop. Hey, have you seen this guy? Only every time I look in the mirror, what yeah. are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? So it's a little silly at times. But again, Tommy Lee Jones is fantastic, deserves the Oscar. Uh, it's great. This launched his career. I think this man, how old do you think Tommy Lee Jones was? In this movie, uh, let's see, he's 119 now. So, <laughs> I mean, that would have put him at what 89. I'll tell you what, for all I know, Tommy Lee Jones was like 40, but he still looks 65 to me. I think he's like 40 in the movie, which is like <laughs> so it's, it's funny. Like, you know, he's in his he looks old, but it just works for him. You know, this is the thing. I don't know what he did beforehand, but this is definitely the thing that made him. You know, he's great. I do love Tommy Lee Jones. Ren in black, like, he's fantastic. He's great. I love him. But uh, you take him out of here, you replace him with someone else, this this movie is not uh, high on everyone's list. I also feel the nostalgia definitely plays a part in this. I think it's a fine movie. It's good. It's good. I'm going to give it a three. I'm going to give it three stars. It's good. I didn't hate watch this. I enjoyed the movie. I'm into it. I just feel there are parts where I'm like, all right, this could be a little tighter, shit like that. So Hell Tommy Lee Jones would have been 46 years old when this movie was made. 46. All right. He, he looks a good 20 years older than that. In He's this a little movie. older in there. <laughs> He's a little older. Uh, Joe, if we were remaking this movie, who, who would you put in these roles here? John who Hamm. Would you, John Hamm? You think you're good for a John Hamm Richard, is the future. Richard yes. Kimball? Yes. And then who's, who's Tommy Lee Jones? Who do you think? Me. <laughs> Me and John Ham just hamming it up. You know, I like. I think uh, I would. I would throw maybe like Viola Davis, right, doing her like Amanda Waller type. Uh, I was gonna say gimmick. I wouldn't because of that, but she could do it good here, like in a good thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. She she's good in that playing that like. Well, I I don't mean because of like the character she's played in that. It's just like she's already doing that somewhere else. I know. So I, I just want to see a. I want to see her do it good. <laughs> like, 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 oh, get recognition. Like, look, she's great. Cause she's all like some of the best part of those suicide movies. She's great being yeah. the, the evil person. I would, you know, we'll see. All right, Joe, that was fun. I hope people enjoyed catching up on a, a classic movie like that. You know, now uh, it's back to the theater for this week, Joe. You, you ready for some? What's coming out? Blue Beetle? Oh, yes. baby. With I'm Miguel excited. from Cobra Kai. You know, it looks fine. I think it's I think this movie's gonna be fine. I think we're gonna have some fun. It ain't gonna be great, it ain't gonna be bad. I think we'll enjoy the I don't even know how long if it's two hours, I might have a problem, actually. <laughs> I, I believe people were saying it is a long movie. Oh, come on. Like, what are we doing here? Oh, all right. Oh no. Oh, Jesus Christ. So I saw a headline, right? And I got so excited. Ready? Blue Beetle runtime makes it one of DCU's EU's shortest movies. I'm like, yeah, it's yes. Like two hours and seven minutes. Two hours and seven minutes. Oh, my God. 
Maybe that's why we don't like DC movies. They're so <laughs> fucking long, bro. At some point, we got to pee. Holy shit. Oh, yeah, so uh, all right, we'll squeeze that in this week. I hope to see the Dracula movie. I totally forgot it came out because that's a movie that's been coming out forever and just kind of no fit. Like, I haven't seen one fucking commercial for it. Have you? Like, I, I that no. movie don't exist. You see a trailer for it and anything. We go to the movies 17 times a month. I ain't seen one trailer for this fucking movie about Dracula on a boat. I'm excited. Dracula belongs on boats. That's like one of the things. That's how he usually comes over from Transylvania. Why wouldn't he Dracula? Because that's not like a real thing. Like, they're not really bats, you know. They're just kind of... What do you mean they're not bats? Yeah, you know, they don't really turn to bats a lot in, in, in Dracula and stuff like Get that. Get the fuck out of here. So, like, he just, you know... Are you shitting like the, me? Like, it happens once in a while, but it's not like... Like, the bat thing, that's not really a, a thing a lot of vampires Get do. the fuck out of here. You know, they could move fast and stuff like that, but they don't always, they don't always turn into a bat. <laughs> like the butler from Mr. Deeds? Very, very sneaky. <laughs> like this, I'm not even fucking kidding. You just rocked my world with this bat thing. Yeah, so he goes on a boat to to come over here, and uh, when the boat docks, it's empty because he fucking ate everybody. So they're just like, what's with this empty boat? What the fuck? Empty boat from Transylvania. Is what that the, the Demeter? Is- so this is like, a, I guess this is a take on that. Yes. That's the movie that came out. Yeah, but that's like oh, okay. a real thing that that's what happens in Bram Stoker's Dracula. So this is a real this is a true story? I mean, if Dracula's real, you know, the the book of Dracula, that's I'm what so happens. I'm so fucking confused right now. They do it in Morbius. Remember in Morbius, he's oh, on like a I boat. I try not to. <laughs> they kind of do that where he's on a boat and he starts eating people and shit. Oh, Dracula loves boats. That's 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 canon. So if if you're interested in um, Secret Galaxy's YouTube channel, they do a lot of like pop culture deep dives, and they did one recently on the Spider-Man animated series, like from the Ooh, '90s, and the yeah. character of Morbius, and under like what restrictions, like they couldn't say blood, like he didn't. So anytime Morbius would say anything, he'd be like, "I need plasma," and and he couldn't bite you so he had like yes, these he had the hands on his they hands the hand things yeah i remember that it was always like what the fuck where did this come from cuz he <laughs> needs plasma i always liked him because he was going his story was going on when uh peter parker was rocking the black suit for the first mm-hmm. uh, time so it was like it was cool like oh shit and then I see it on the TV show, and it's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> what is this guy? It's saying shit. Oh, man. So, yeah, Blue Beetle, two hours, seven minutes. Oof. A, Oof. a quick 207. Fucking unreal. But, yeah, and I guess, uh, well, no, I keep forgetting Aquaman. I'm like, that's the last of our DC movies, but Aquaman is supposedly coming out just, sometime. Just because it's not at the front of your mind doesn't mean you're forgetting it. Oh goodness! But I hear it's not good. Aquaman is apparently a fucking disaster, wow. which is not f- good to hear because I like no. the first one. The first one's a lot of fun. The first one was and good, yeah. It James was, I Wong, mean, what happened, yeah. James? What happened to the thing here? I don't understand. So James Wan, more like Lames Wan. <laughs> that's right. I went there, catching strays, bro. That's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> 
Oh, well, that's next uh, week, Joe. So let's finish this week. Let's get the hell out of here. It's now time for the Finish. Big finish time, Joe. You ready to spin a wheel? Let's do it. Let's spin it. a good one joe oh today's, man today's big finish childhood crushes oh baby what was little joey lusting over let's find out here we go oh, man. very easy monsoon you see the lust in these eyes uh Kelly Kapowski, number one. Number one with a bullet, man. Tiffany Amber Thiessen, God bless you. All-time number there. one crush. I mean, I love her. And I, she's definitely going to be on my list. But I think number one might be Alyssa Milano for me. That was, I always loved Sam. And then she did the Poison Ivy movies right as we mm-hmm. were going into those ages. So it was and, perfect well, timing. <laughs> when she did the movie, she was in Fear, right? That was a uh, no. That was uh, what's the face? Was the main girl? What's who? Uh, Reese Witherspoon. That was her. Yeah, getting finger popped mm. by Marky Mark on the wow. uh, on the roller coaster. I I always believed that was Alyssa Milano. Mm, I learned something new today. Uh, yeah, she's in the movie, but she's not the main girl. So okay. maybe that's what you are thinking of. Okay. So now I don't feel so bad, but number yeah, sure. she's up there. Alyssa Milano, I was always a scorch cake, but I don't think she's going to make my top three. Number oh. two for me is going to be Christine Lakin. Ow, Ooh, from Step that... by Step. Oh, you love. <laughs> oh, that's funny. We were like oh. the same age. She was like the, the cute tomboy chick. I was like, oh my God, this girl. Is it man Christine Lakin still looks great? Did a lot of work, uh, did a, she does a lot of directing and stuff now. Interesting, interesting. Uh, let me see, I'm trying to find the girl's name. What's her name? She's in stuff as an adult. Uh, what the fuck is this? Why is my thing going on? The girl from Ladybugs, do you remember this girl's name? I'm trying to. Look uh, up her name here. The blonde girl. She's in other stuff. I just totally uh my I have no idea. Is, like I can out see, on me here. I can see her face, but um what the hell was her name? I always liked her. She grew up when uh she was in uh what you call it? She did uh what the fuck? Vanessa Shaw, that's her name. There we go. I found yes. the name. Yes. And so she was in a couple things. She's in my Hills Have Eyes remake, one of my favorite mm. horror movies of all time. She has a role. And she was like, I hadn't seen she her in a girl long time. In Hocus Pocus. Yeah, she's in Hocus Pocus. Yeah. The older girl. Yes. So she's on my list. I don't know. Let me try it down. I'm trying to think. Uh, number three for me. This one, I like if you thought Christine Lakin was a little obscure, wait for this one. Oh, okay. Marla Sokolov. 
Who is I this? Loved Marla Sokolov. You may know her as Gia from Full House. You may know her <laughs> from uh, Whatever It Takes. You may know her as one of the twins from Dude Where's My Car. Marla oh, Sokolov. Oh, yes. oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> I remember. So her. pretty. Oh man. I'm trying to think now. Who's my last one? Is this some girl? I mean, oh, you know, I guess. Like I like Dora Birch, Christina Ricci. Like I like these people. I'm trying to this is rough, bro. I'm trying to think. And what 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 childhood? How 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 young? How old are we get in childhood? Like who? What are we? Uh, well, I mean, those were like what's the age group. I I kept it to about twelve. I didn't go past twelve. Like high school would have been Katie Holmes for me. I like was so all in on Katie Holmes and Dawson's Creek. But I mean, when I think like childhood crushes, like just the the fantasy of like having the girl that like it was innocent and pure that like you really just wanted to like have your mom drop you off at the bowling alley so you could spend a couple hours together before coming to pick you up. Like it would have been those three. Oh, so, so yeah. So it's definitely not Pam Anderson and Jen McCarthy. That that's a little later. No, on. because those aren't crushes. Those are girls that's I jerked crush. off to. Those yeah. Are, like sure, that's, I some, that's the I naughty mean, bits. Like, I mean, we just, all right. Okay. Like, oh, I, you I know, mean, look, I love love and I like the idea of, picturing myself in a relationship with Marla Sokolov, like, but like a very nice and good relationship. Like I want to, I want to go out on dates and like share an ice cream Sundae. And then I'll say, so we're keeping it wholesome. I'll say, uh, Anna Klumsky, my girl. Oh, for well, my girl. We'll, yeah. 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 We'll go. He with can't us. see without Gomez. Can't see without his glasses, <laughs> bro. I got, <laughs> I I almost got killed by a, a, a bee nest. I didn't see this nest, and I got stung, and I had to run out and run away from this thing. And I was just standing there going, all these jokes I did about my girl. And if I got killed by being stung to death by bees. You would have deserved it. Holy shit. Karma would have came out. Oh, that's all I could think of. I, I cannot I get go the phone like call this. like. Hey, Gomez is dead. We need you to do a eulogy. And I stand up there in front of everyone at, at Church of the Mez, and I say, well, guess we so, should have seen this one coming. Let me tell you, if I if I die by bees, whoever's up there telling a speech, whoever's up there, you have permission to put glasses on me, do the whole <laughs> glasses thing. You have permission. It will be written in the will. No one can say shit to you. We have this on video. Today is August. <laughs> as, as, as of this recording, it's August 14th, 2023. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to the Car Jomez podcast. Remember to smash that subscribe button wherever it is that you're listening to this. Or if you're watching on YouTube, leave a five-star review. Click those likes. Leave some comments. Follow us on all the social media at Car Jomez. You can follow my personal stuff at the Joe Shoes coming up this weekend. Saugus, Massachusetts. Saugus in August. It's Major Wrestling Figure Podcast Live 17 from Kowloon Restaurant. It's going to be the party of August. It's going to be a lot of fun. There are very, very, I think we're in single digit tickets remaining. So if you want to come, get those ticket orders in. Follow me at the Joe Shoes. 
ProWrestlingTees.com slash Joe Shoes if you like to support. And don't forget YouTube.com slash Joe Shoes. Mm, the Gomez154 Instagram, and I'm going to say Twitter. Uh, follow that Twitch stream, Mez Movie, because, guys, we might be watching a, an episode of Double Dare soon. Yeah. Yes, we might. So, Please follow. You never know when I'm going to pop on and show that. You'll get that notification. Don't want to miss out. <laughs> uh, next week, we'll be talking about Blue Beetles. So get to the movies. Get out there. Support the kid from Cobra Kai. But with all that being said, let's make like Tom and Cruz. Peace. Peace.